I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It Podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Coming at you cheerfully, with energy. Yeah. With, uh, we got a new, we got a speak pipe, which is, for those who don't know what a speak pipe is, that is when people leave us a voice memo. Also also known as a voicemail. You've been, voicemail. It's been yeah, known yeah. to refer to it as. Yeah, yeah. yeah speak pipe. We've got a couple new speak pipes. Awesome. We're just going to go through one today. You're very chipper over there. I see you've got that iced coffee in your hands that you keep saying you're going to share or bring in. <laughs> it still hasn't happened. This is, it seems like a good time to bring that up, right? You know, man, as summer has gone on, I've invested in larger and larger iced coffee travel mugs to take with me, and yeah. I'm getting more and more jacked up. You are. You're, no, you're, you're investing in your, your generosity and heart has not increased with the same size that your mug has, though, in terms of sharing with your friend here. But that's OK. I'm sorry. You'll man. hear it. I'll bring something in for you. Yeah. But just, just so our listeners, though, whenever you hear this noise, that means I'm about to take. But a you hear beer. that in there. That's my real coffee brewing. So. Oh, yeah. See, you have yeah. better coffee than me, although this is uh, St. Louis's own sump coffee. I wouldn't know because I haven't gotten to taste your coffee. I'll cold bring some in tomorrow, yet. man. I promise. I'll bring some in tomorrow. Yet you've tasted my coffee. Anyway, right, I'm yeah. not bitter like, my, like your coffee. <laughs> Oh, come on. Okay, so let's listen to the question. I think this is from um, our friend Mark up in Vancouver, right? Yep. Hello, Peter and Adam. It's Mark in Vancouver. If you wanted to give somebody a quick overview of the different genres of jazz, what song would you choose to represent each genre? Okay, that's a great question, Mark. Wow, this is this is going to be a fun kind of challenging thing to do. Yeah. I don't know where should we start. Why don't we go kind of chronologically? Yeah. I mean, this you know what, the the genres within jazz are always a little bit somewhat arbitrary, but maybe we could try to hit the big ones that are not in dispute at least. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I mean, if we start with early jazz, I think the song that kind of defines not just early jazz but maybe jazz yeah. would have to be West End Blues, right? That's I mean, great. That's exactly what I was thinking. So yeah. we're in sync so far. That kind of defines the whole first part of the music and yeah. and the potential of what it could become. Yeah, to me. Yeah, and it's the so this of course Louis Armstrong, uh, his solo on West End Blues, the iconic, um, the great Louis Armstrong. Yeah, that's amazing. And what's so cool about that solo too is you could probably plug it into. You could plug that solo into a modern rhythm section. It would sound pretty awesome. It would. Today. It would. Yeah. And then on that track, I think you get really the feel, although that was a very forward-thinking um, kind of revolutionary type of solo, especially when you look at the, the trajectory that jazz took afterwards. And there was a certain amount of foreshadowing. Well, it was foreshadowing because it became so influential yeah. on um, certainly trumpet players, but beyond that, just in terms of um, you know really the possibilities of how uh, the improvisatory solo could or improvised solo i guess i could call it uh could really be bent a little bit you know timing wise and the way that phrases could stretch out and everything compare i mean in a way it's it's not even a great representation of the way people were playing at that time because yeah. kind of he was the only one that could play it like was so that. far advanced yeah, yeah but true. i mean I, I i agree i think it really typifies that period and if, if you were you know exposing somebody new that didn't know oh this is early jazz as we would say yeah and maybe we could even uh, next we could hop back a little bit before and just sort of ragtime which you know it doesn't really matter if you consider that jazz or not it certainly was a big influence influence if it's not the actual beginning of jazz yeah it's it's a big influence on early jazz and probably like maple leaf rag from Scott Joplin, the yes. great Scott Joplin. Some, jo some Joplin, obviously. He was the king of it. Uh, Maple yep. Leaf Rag is a good one. Solace is another good one. Yeah. Uh, although that's more of a, that's pretty specific. I yeah, think, for, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I could see Maple Leaf Rag. Yeah, this is interesting. It's going to be a, it would be interesting to see where we go. So what's next? What's after so the early part? We, yeah, if we think ragtime and then kind of early jazz. Well, I think we should probably 
I don't know what we say like New Orleans style, not like this corny Dixieland stuff they're talking about, but I mean like original New Orleans. Is that its own genre? Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, I would put Louis Armstrong in there. Uh, that's true. You know what I mean? Because so. he's from New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> so I got it. We got that one covered. All right, cool. All right, let's move on to maybe uh, swing, big band era. Swing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean. It's kind of got to be Duke Ellington, right? Let's, let's see if we can say the track at the same time of how in sync we are. Duke Ellington's it Take don't. the... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I was going to say take the A-Train. No, I like Either your, one, though. No, I like it. yours better. You it don't mean the thing. It don't mean the thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. ain't got that swing. That's great. But A-Train would work as well. I mean, that's that's a defining moment, too. Right. You know. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. So well, that's good. I mean, look, there's a lot of other big band stuff we could have. Yeah, we, we could be totally wrong on all this. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, that, these is, it's good to paint in broad strokes or whatever. If you're giving someone a playlist to, like, define this era with one track, it's first of all, it's nearly impossible to do. Yeah. But secondly, it's, it's kind of a good exercise to sort of define the sound to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's move on to Bebop. What do you think? Bebop, I mean, I think that it's got to be Charlie Parker. We talk about defining the sound. I mean, not that you couldn't. I mean, Dizzy. Well, so let's let's do one that's with Dizzy. Well, we're kind of talking about songs or tracks. Now, now I got confused. Which one are we talking about? We're talking about both, right? We're talking about songs. Yeah. Songs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, ooh, that's no. But on the Lewis Armstrong, we really talked about the West End blues. It could be soul. a track. It could be a specific track. Sure. Okay. Yeah, thanks. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, we're just making this up as we go along, right? Um. What are you thinking? I mean, maybe ornithology. Ornithology. I was going to say maybe confirmation. Yeah. Maybe night in Tunisia. It's yeah. It's a specific feel, but that's bebop, man. The I like night in Tunisia too because that yeah, it's definitely bebop, but it's got a little bit of different grooves and it kind of foreshadows some things that were you know influences and certainly you know Dizzy Gillespie, you know his take on bebop and his participation, but then him him being so involved with you know bringing in the Afro-Cuban sounds. Um, you know, Latin rhythms and stuff and really being at the forefront of that, which really was a big part of bebop. I mean, we forget. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I like that. Night in Tunisia. So how about some, like, sort of post-bops of the hard bop, 50s bop oh, stuff? Oh, now, yeah, now, 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 now you're in my wheelhouse. I know, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, oh, that's a tough one. Maybe some Sonny Rollins or some, um, you know what I mean? Like some one of those kind yeah. of, like, er, like they're kind of still came from the bebop generation, played with Charlie Parker. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. a little bit younger, though. But post-bop, but still with the, maybe like the, what's the, dweep, beep, dweep, Tenor Madness. Tenor Madness. Yeah. That, that might be a good defining one for the sort of hard bop-ish yeah, younger cats. Yeah, from yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's a blues, and it's definitely got that sound. It, it almost kind of puts you into that period when you're playing it, you know, just the, 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 the pacing of the melody and how it fits in with the blues. I mean, you could even go to some of the Miles Davis stuff from that era. You yep. know, the working, steaming. Mid-50s, working, steaming, relaxing. relaxing. Yeah. Cooking. Cooking, totally. Yeah. That, those records, to me, definitely define that sound of like, we're playing standards. We're yeah. swinging the hell out of them. Right, you know, but they're not playing it in. It's not into that like real kind of going crazy right. period. But it's definitely not bebop. Right, and so I, I I agree. Those those records are just you know like Oleo. Well, that's isn't that written by Sonny Rollins? It is, but yeah. made famous by Miles probably more yep. than Sonny's version. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because now we're going to start to run into definitely some popular multi multi genres. Because I'm thinking of Horace Silver. And Art mm. Blakey, some of the that stuff in that era, and and that grooving it, stuff, you know, where it starts to like, the boogaloo start taking shape in the yeah. late fifties. And all those people you just mentioned too certainly even go back into bebop, and Miles did as well. Really started in the bebop period. So, yeah. um, well, okay, well you'll hear it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Let's not get too bogged down in the weeds here. Let's just move on to cool jazz and call cool, it a day. Cool for jazz the, for right. the fifties. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, um, it's got to be G Gil Evans, right? 
Well, no, kind of blue, man. Oh, kind of blue. Of course, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be, though. It could be one of the Gil Evans-Miles Davis collaborations. Yeah, I was thinking, like, Sketches of Spain. Yeah. Um, but, no, I like, I mean, kind of blue. Kind of blue is... But that's an album. That's an album. Yeah. I mean, you know... So what? So what? That How would, about that? Because then we get almost get into some of those so-called modal jazz. Yeah, that's a transition. But I think it def- it defines the era. It's in. It, it, it does. It certainly yeah. does. Yeah. When we start going through this, you start to see what an outsized influence on the sound of these periods Miles Davis is. We don't want to keep referring to these because we can't think of anything better, but yeah. we truly can't think of anything better. I mean, know? as we're going it's forward here, there, I'm already thinking there are a couple more albums of his, or tracks of his <laughs> that could define the next two eras, yeah. three like eras. How many eras could we define by Miles Davis albums? It could be time? a total of five or six, honestly. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It is amazing. Well, so after the cool period, we're going to have more of the, like, um, the new sound, right? As Amiri Baraka called it, like the yep. the more out stuff that starts happening, which you could go Miles here as well in his second great quartet, any of those tracks. You know? Right. So is that period, I'm just thinking like, so if we talked about, you're talking about Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, Tony Williams, the, the quintet stuff. That quintet. But I'm, I think a track that more defines that period is probably Lonely Woman from Ornette Coleman. I was just going to mention Ornette, I was going to say Shape of Jazz. Is that song Shape of Jazz? Shape of Jazz to come. Yeah. Because that influenced all those guys too. That's like, right. And that kinda, was a little earlier too. It was a little like earlier. And, like. and that really defined, like they started copping that. Right. You know, these great players were, like heard that sound when they came, when that, that trio came to, the quartet came to um, New York, you right. know, and really stirred some stuff. I like up. it. I love that. And it brought a little bit of that West Coast cool. I mean, it was definitely, you know, new sound and new approach um, and very influential. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a great record. That's too. good. I love it. Lonely, Lonely Woman. All right. So where do we want to go after the, the new sound? Well, I think we, we're kind of going, going into like some fusion yeah. or, or, um, funk maybe we'll kind of almost have funk and fusion is i love kind of separating those in a way because i think like well now we're back to miles like um water babies which is a little funkier bitches brew bitches brew i mean that's the iconic you know kind but of fusiony this is a sub era though because yeah. it, it almost got a little psychedelic there the 67 8 9 you know what i mean before Drugs like it consumed. got super funky <laughs> right it was open and it was like uh, it, w- it was definitely more loose than it became with yeah know. and uh, M. Wandishi that, M. Wandishi that, that, yeah. that's uh, I would say that for fusion in a lot of ways kind of typifies you know that, that that would be a great place to define sort of the genre I mean a genre that is very difficult to find I mean then you talk about Return to Forever kind of yeah. iconic fusion record yeah. you know and, and sound you know yeah, yeah. sort of sound um, I can see you. You're, you're physically becoming uneasy once they once we well, get to these like We're making some hard choices here. I, I don't know why I care so much. I know. Not, right. And then funk. I mean, I think you got to talk about like Chameleon. You know, yeah, the Headhunters. Yeah, Headhunters. Any that of particular tracks. track. Yeah, yeah, any of them. But I think that one. Chameleon for sure. Yeah. And then now you're getting into an influ- interesting influence. <laughs> um, in that, I think you know, I certainly came up in this period, and maybe you caught the tail end of it, where like chameleon was like the big band middle school and high school big band yeah, yeah. if you didn't play it you heard it yeah. and so you got like a whole generation of jazz musicians coming up in programs marching band i mean we i remember we did it in marching band when i was doing like cymbals totally. chameleon um so really that kind of a you know that kind of approach to playing funk in a jazz situation and that kind of a groove was was, was really a specific kind of thing within the fusion movement i'd say yeah all right so that'll bring us to like the late 70s early 80s yeah. Now, where we? Now what are we even defining? Like, like the Young Lions period. Well, we're almost there, but we're I think there, we might we might be in the sort of beginnings of smooth jazz. Ooh, you know, ooh, danger, danger zone. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, well, no, you know what? So we could look at like, okay, what about Mr. Magic? 
Definitely. Grover Washington That's got to be in here, right? That's Now, that defines, to me, smooth jazz, the way I like to yeah. remember smooth jazz as before it got too smoothed over. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, I mean, great. that's a great – I mean, I love Grover. I love his playing. I love his approach to smooth jazz. I mean, you could even go back to Miles again with um – the human nature. Yep. Yeah. That was incredible. That was a little later though. It was, was a little later. It was like 83 or four, maybe? Oh, maybe so, yeah. 84? Yeah. Yeah, but that was very influential on a lot of smooth jazz players and a lot of straight ahead guys, too. It was. Yeah. It was. It was. But now we're definitely encroaching on the lion's den. The lion's den. <laughs> we are. Here hear the lions roar. In the jungle. Know? I mean, for me, you know, and it, this is such a personal thing because we're getting into some areas where the new tracks talk about, you know, songs really had a a big impact on me in real time as they were released but I would say Wintmore South's Black Holes from the Underground yep. Frisinian Man that particular song what Kenny Kirkland plays on that what everybody's playing Jeff Watts just their whole approach I mean that just defines that period to me yeah. so that, that would be my pick on that but then like all these there's, there's so many other great no that's a good one great ones alright so that, that takes us to the 90s now there's a f- few ways we can go yeah in the 90s you know you know what I would say? Kenny Garrett songbook. Yep. That record. Everybody. Was I think into that, that, that defines the '90s because you get that influence coming out of. I guess it's kind of post. Um, would you say it's post? Uh, wow, a lot of activity going on here. Yeah, we know, we, hey guys, we're doing a podcast in here. We are in an office here. So. <laughs> That's true. We yeah, are yeah. in an operating studio. Um, but it defines the influence of the Young Lions movement. But it really does have a 90 sound. And, and again, like this was a, that was a period I, I, I was really, was kind of my, you know, period to really learn how to play the music in real time on gigs and stuff and try to participate in the sound. You I just know? know everybody was listening to that and it seemed very modern yeah. in, at the time. I mean, and yeah. What a, I still listen to that record a lot. That's great. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, we might have to throw in some like, I mean, for my generation, when I was in high school, it was the Joshua Redman era that actually that you were in. The line yeah. at the Village Vanguard was very, very influential on us. Um, yeah. But also Beyond and Timeless Tales. Yes. You know those two albums. I'm well, not I think sure if Timeless was past 2000, maybe. It might have been. Yeah. So that would be a good one for the. We could bring that to the current period. Oh you no, could. we're in the 2013. Yeah. yeah. I'll also say that for a lot of people, Brad Meldow's "All the Things You Are" yes. track. Yeah. A lot of people were into that intro and were yep. trans. You know, like I remember yep. that specifically. That's a good one, actually, and that really defines. Although that's probably is that still 90s? That's late 90s. Yeah, yeah that's, that's late on 90s. Like trio volume three or four, maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's that, that's that's a good track to define. So certainly for trio. Late '90s, early New Yorky, you know what I mean? Yeah, like that a little whole, bit of Euro influence. A little Euro influence for sure. Right. All right, now we're in the 2000s, and we're getting we're getting spread out. I mean, we could probably could hit up some Roy Hargrove, you know. Mm, yep. Uh, ear food. Ear food. That's a great. Great. A couple record. of things on there that would work. Yep. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I think that's. I think that one's a good. Um, you know, like this Saint Denis. Yeah, uh, Strasbourg, Saint Denis. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, you like my little French accent there? I was, was I was good. in France last that week. Seemed legit. Way, way. Um, that track, I think, that might be a nice kind of closing place for us because I think it does, in some ways, bring us up to today. Uh, even though that was probably ten years ago, eight years ago, or something. But that kind of sound, it's kind of like a circular thing because for Roy and look. For these last couple of periods, we, there's Roy records we could have listed. Totally. Would, would and have actually, been great. we've omitted a lot of people. We too. really have, obviously. Been a very but I would say that track kind of shows certainly the influence of the Young Lions yeah. kind of period on Roy, which I know was a, you know, 
personal thing, but he really kind of brought back some some roots in the music. Not only Roy, but I mean that exemplifies bringing back all these earlier roots that we talked about. You know, post bop. You know, the groove stuff. You know, some of the funk stuff, and and really back to the kind of a I don't want to overstate it, but kind of a bridge back to Louis Armstrong and West End Blues. Yeah, man. Like you know, Roy's joy for playing this music just coming out and everything, and and it really being. A connection of these genres yeah they're interesting and we sort of devolved into talking about periods but i think that that's good because all this music is connected and all this great music that's within jazz yeah this is, is a hard task to do i like that pick though uh because of i mean it's become a jam session tune now which is amazing to me yeah you know and yep. shout out to montez coleman our friend that's right local uh, mc what's here. up yeah yep. killing it on that track so good stuff well yeah. well Thank you. Uh, was that Mark in Vancouver? That was Mark in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Mark. Thanks always for the questions. Appreciate it. Yep. Uh, blowing in from the north. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good stuff happening up in Vancouver. Cool. Um, British Columbia, did you know that? That is the province that Vancouver resides in. B.C. Little B.C. Well, a little, little factoid on Vancouver, though. Here we go. Have you been to Vancouver Island? Uh, no. My wife went, went uh, a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. Have you been to uh, Vancouver, though? No. Because, you know, they're not the, the Vancouver is not on Vancouver Island. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But you know what it is? Those Canadians, it's not, they're, they're always a little smarter than us. So they figured out <laughs> they're more advanced than us. So we think it doesn't make any sense. But in a few years, it will. Isn't Vancouver the island the one where, like, you drive on the other side of the road? They have this, like, archaic driving rules from the British... Yeah, maybe. I think no, so. I mean, I've been there. I don't remember them being on the oh, other side. There's some island up there where it's like you go and you take a ferry and then you have to go on the other side of it. You have to drive it on, could the, be, on the left. It could be because you do have to. There's no bridges, I don't believe. Like you either helicopter or ferry. You know who would know? Mark. Mark, let us know. Yeah, please let us know, Mark. Mark's probably like, well, I ask a question. I didn't want to, the <laughs> false history of my country. I'm a Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, listeners... I don't know if you've noticed, we've been getting some some nice reviews lately. Have we? Yes, yeah. I don't know. They just kind of sprung up on my phone here. Um, so we had uh, one just a couple days ago, July 10th, from uh, Chris Deck in Germany. Oh, giving us a little bit of German love there. What's up? Uh, um, what do you call it? How do you say? Uh, Watch out now. Uh, danke. Dankeschön. Dankeschön. To Chris Deck. He says, uh, Bless you. Great, <laughs> great daily jazz advice. Thank you so much for your great daily jazz show. Short and sweet, you know. Five stars. I like that one. It's not over the top. I like it. Yeah. And then we've got um, Goose Goose Rappa Goose Rafa Mm -hmm. from from the UK. The perfect compliment. Short and sweet jazz insight from the pros. The perfect compliment to lessons at Open Studio. Great tips, wise words, witty banter from two genuine jazz piano maestros. Oh, stop. Oh, yeah. Jazz piano maestros. Sometimes they even manage to use their catchphrase at an appropriate moment. You'll nice hear job. it. Oh, is that too soon? <laughs> nice job, gentlemen. You'll hear it.